Rachel laid her hand over the small pile of letters on the table beside her. The slight anticipation they afforded her every morning was a small, secret comfort. She had always enjoyed both writing and receiving letters, though it seemed to be a dying art these days, and not many came her way. Jeremy's only communication in term was a reverse charge call from Cambridge once a week to absolve himself of guilt. Helen wrote quite often, warm, funny letters that made life at Durham sound more entertaining than it really was. Rachel looked forward to hearing from Helen. She would read the new letter several times when Thomas had gone and store it with the collection of others in her desk. Mostly, though, the pile was disappointing. Bills, reminders from the dentist, witless duty postcards from friends abroad. This morning, Rachel observed, with an excitement out of all proportion to the event, an expensive white envelope at the bottom of the brown ones. She pulled it out, examining it carefully. Black ink, large, arrogant handwriting. Postmark, Northampton. The farthing goes, obviously. Rachel slit open the envelope. In her exhilarated state, she forgot that the noise of tearing paper would be bound to annoy Thomas, and suddenly she didn't care. The thick white card, beautifully engraved, was indeed from the Farthingos. Thomas, said Rachel, fingering the card with all the reverence of a woman who once used to love parties and cannot quite discard the habit, Francis and Toby have asked us to a ball. There was a moment's terrible silence. Rachel could imagine her husband's eyes blazing to the end of a sentence. She could hear her own heart thumping very fast. Once again, in her foolish excitement, she had made an irretrievable mistake and would now have to bear the consequence. When? asked Thomas at last. The question, a chip of ice in the warmth of Rachel's expectancy, was devoid of all interest. Its single tiny sound managed brilliantly to convey the uprising of his annoyance. September. Thomas put down the paper at last, folding it untidily. His reddish eyebrows, raised, scratched at the furrows on his brow, incredulous, scathing, bored. That's in four months' time, for heaven's sake. You have to ask people very early if you want to be sure of their coming. Ridiculous system. Their eyes met. As usual, Thomas's lower lashes were divided into three pointed clumps. They made his pale eyes look startled as a starfish, rather silly. Years ago, when they were first married, Rachel had laughed at them. Thomas, willing in those days to please her, had allowed her to brush them apart with a small mascara brush, bought especially for the purpose. But the practice had been given up long ago. Rachel had grown accustomed to the look of silliness that fronted his sharp, agitated mind, so that it only struck her at bad moments. And possibly, to be fair, it was something she alone saw. Many women mentioned his handsomeness. Shall I accept? Thomas sighed. It occurred to Rachel he was attempting to exercise self-control. For her part, she tried to dim the light she knew must be fulminating in her own eyes. That would be bound to go against her. I suppose so. You obviously want to go. Though what the middle-aged want to give balls for, I can't imagine a more ridiculous way of spending money. Thank you. Rachel's heart increased its pace, making her careless again. 
anticipation of a far higher order, of course, than the actual party would be, suffused her in an amorphous golden cloud that she would not attempt to describe, but could not resist blurting out some trivial thought to indicate its presence. "'We'll have to get your dinner jacket cleaned,' she said, knowing even as she uttered the words she had gone too far this time. Thomas stood up. A purple flush enlivened his jowls. "'For God's sake, Rachel, do we really have to think about cleaning my dinner jacket four months ahead?' Thomas took in the shape of Rachel. Grubby, toweling dressing gown pulled tightly in at the waist so that the once-flat stomach protruded. Why would she never dress for breakfast? Her hair, unbrushed, more grey than auburn now, was backlit from a pale light from the window. Two-dimensional London trees outside, still the piercing green of mid-May, slightly moved their fretwork of leaves. Small.